0: morning. welcome will you stand with us this morning? Let's sing together
1: I can see the clouds rolling I can feel the winds say try to shake me. I will not be moved, my feet are on the rock.
0: the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. So stomp your feet and clap your hands. Our feet are on the rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. So stomp your feet and clap your hands. Our feet are on the rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. So stomp your feet and clap your hands. Our feet are on the the (laughs) rock. Oh
1: amen 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 bless you Ron love you buddy good morning church how's everybody that's my dancing right there free will babies can't move their feet when they're dancing so I'm just here comes the rain my feet are on the rock how about yours hey it's good to see you this morning glad you're here for our second service If you are a guest, we certainly welcome you. There's one of these Connect cards in the chair back in front of you. If you just fill this out and after service, take it through these doors to our Connect counter, we'll exchange it for a Chick-fil-A gift card, which is a pretty good deal. Glad all of you are here. Let's stand up and praise the Lord by praying to him and giving him all the praise, honor, and glory for this day. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Thank you for our church and these wonderful people. I pray that you'd bless us with the Holy Spirit and may the Word of God speak to our hearts today and change our lives. We commit this service to you and we do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn around and welcome one another, would you? Thank you for being nice to one another. You may be seated just for a moment. You know, yesterday we celebrated a really awesome and great day. It's called Veterans Day. It's a day that is set aside to say thank you for the men and women who have literally given their lives and service for our great country. And we are so very thankful for all of our veterans. In our first service, we recognize many men and women who have served in one of our military branches, and we want to do that again today. It was Will Rogers who said, we can't all be heroes. Somebody has to sit on the curb and clap as they go by. And today I am sitting on the curb and I am clapping as our veteran heroes stand right now in this service. If you are a veteran, if you have served or are currently serving in one of the branches of the military, would you stand? We have them all over the room. Yes, we do, men and women, men and women, amen. I want to certainly thank you for all you've done and all you have given. And can I say this and mean it from all my heart? God bless America. Amen? We need His blessings and His power, and we need revival in our world today. Let's stand, and we're going to continue to worship as we sing together.
0: thankful for your beautiful, wonderful, powerful name. I feel your power and your presence here with us this morning, and I'm so thankful for that. I know that you see us where we are. You know what we need, when we need it, and how we need it. And with your power and your might, you can meet our every need, Father. All we have to do is turn to you and lean on you. And I just ask that everyone here, Father, would realize that that they can lean on you, and that you will meet their every need. Father, I pray that as Will brings the message this morning, you would speak through him and open our hearts. Help us to hear what you're saying to us. I ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Thank you, Praise Team, give them a big hand, appreciate them, and love the ministry they bring to our church, and there is no name like the name of Jesus. Uh, one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that He is Lord. My suggestion is that you do that today, amen? In the Massachusetts village of Northampton, a congregational pastor knelt in prayer in his office before the Sunday morning service. He was burdened for the 1,100 people who lived in his community who were in bondage to sin. In a few minutes, he would be walking into the pulpit. Should he tell the people all was well with their souls? Or should he tell them what he really believed? That unless they experienced the new birth through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they were headed straight for hell. Well, the decision was made. This tall, thin-faced man arose, adjusted his periwig. I've decided I need to start wearing one of those white wigs. And he entered the sanctuary. That day in the year of 1734 marked the birth of one of the most notable revivals that America has ever experienced. Nothing like it had happened before. Nothing quite like it has happened since. The dark conditions pressed the pastor, Jonathan Edwards, to his knees that Sunday morning. Gone was the God-fearing generation who had settled the Americans. The new generation had forgotten God. Immorality, debauchery, and self-interest ruled. Few cared about the next life. Even those who held to the externals of traditional religion had really lost the heart of it. It was not long after this that this same preacher, Jonathan Edwards, preached his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Maybe you've heard about that sermon. He he literally read it from the pulpit. There was one person who was in attendance that Sunday who remarked, before the sermon was done, there was great moaning and crying out from the entire congregation. People were shouting, what shall I do? To be saved. Church, God has burdened my heart for a revival in our church. Now, I know Kavanaugh's a great church and you are awesome people, but there is so much more, so much more that God has for your life, for your family, and for this church. And for us to experience what God really wants, we need revival. My sermon is entitled, Revive Us Again. In fact, a little, little phrase is found in the Word of God. It's found in Psalm 85, and I want to read that passage to you today. I'm actually going to read verses 1 through 7, and our key verse is number 6. We'll pause and make mention of that when we get to it. Here's what the Word of God says in Psalm 85. Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave your people's guilt. You covered all of their sin. You withdrew all your fury. You turned from your burning anger. Return to us, God of our salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? And here is verse 6. Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your faithful love, Lord, and give us your salvation. You know, it's amazing to me how applicable the Word of God is. That passage rings true today. To revive means to relife to live again, to flourish anew. You revive something when you bring it back to life. Spiritual revival awakens the saved from a state of spiritual slumber. Here's a more formal definition. Revival is the sovereign act of God whereby he calls his backsliding people to repentance, faith, and a new obedience. him. I like it how this preacher put it. We need an old-fashioned, heaven-sent, soul-saving, sin-erasing, devil-chasing, banner-waving, Christian-flaming Holy Ghost revival. From the pulpit to the pew, let's have revival that starts with me and you. So let's look closely this morning at our key verse, Psalm 85, verse 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? As we dissect this verse, there are six truths I want you to hear and hopefully write down today. Number one, only God can send revival. If we're going to send revival, it's something we can't work up, it's something that God sends down. We must first cry out to God because we want his way and his will in our life and in our church. Psalm 69:32 says, "You who seek God, let your hearts revive." And then Psalm 71:20 declares, "You who have made me see my troubles and calamities" you will revive me again. Like I said, revival can never be worked up by us. It is sent down from God. In his classic book, Why Revival Tarries, Leonard Ravenhill writes, revival is when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented that he shows up himself. (laughs) Well, we need God to show up himself, don't we? While you can't schedule a revival by putting it down on a church calendar, you can get ready for it. You can prepare yourself for it so that when God sends it, you get it. I love what G. Campbell Morgan wrote. We cannot organize revival, but we can set ourselves to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow it on his people again. Hosea 6, 1 and 2 says, come, let us return to the Lord. And after two days, he will revive us. Well, I'm praying that God revives us today. I'm praying that before this service ends, he blows the spirit of his revival through this church. And we have prepared ourselves to catch the wind of that revival. Number two, we must repent before seeking revival. Too many of us are okay with where we are because we are comfortable with our own pet sins. Also, it can be threatening to ask for revival because it invariably means that we're going to have to repent. One pastor nailed it when he said, the flesh will fight against revival. For to have revival, we must admit that we have a need. And that goes against our fleshly nature. Now I don't do a whole lot of counseling and I'm really not a very good counselor. But when someone who is in a mess comes and they're wanting help, sometimes I ask them the question, how badly do you want to get better? Because if you only sort of want to get better, you ain't going to get better. A.W. Tozer puts it like this, revival will come to us and within us when we really, really want it, when we pay the price for it. But perhaps revival has not come because we just don't want it bad enough. Church, I want to remind you, we live in a sin-soaked society, dripping with downright depravity. On top of that, many Christians are cold, we're carnal, complacent, comfortable, complaining, and a whole lot cantankerous. We live in terrible times, but actually these are the conditions which are ripe for revival. I really can't believe it's been 18 years ago that one of my favorite preachers passed away. His name was Adrian Rogers. I still love to listen to his sermons today. He put it like this. Study the history of revival. God has always sent revival in the darkest days. Oh, for a mighty sweeping revival today. We see this in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Jason, this is one of my favorite verses on revival. Here's what it says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Well, guys, there's nothing that we need more today than God hearing from heaven, forgiving our sins and healing our land. Two of the four conditions for God to forgive and heal his people have to do with being humble and from turning from our wicked ways. That first condition, he he said, humble yourselves. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, the root word for the word humility has the idea of bending your knees. Humbling yourselves, James four ten says, "Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you." Isaiah fifty seven fifteen, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite one. I heard somebody put it like this: "Humble yourselves before the Lord, or He'll do it for you." So we humble ourselves. The second condition is we turn from our wicked ways. The word turn is used over a thousand times in the Bible. And the order here is significance. As we humble ourselves and pray and seek God with everything that we have, when we get our lives right and we turn back towards God, then you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna turn from our wicked ways. When we put God first and we seek God with all of our heart, we're not gonna wanna continue to live sinful lives. We're gonna turn from all of our evil ways that grieve Almighty God. The idea is to change the direction in which our heart is inclined to go. King Josiah is a pretty good example of this. In 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25, it says, Josiah turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might. It's kind of significant reading that passage and and figuring out what is going on here. They rediscovered the Bible, the law of God. They had lost the Word of God. And after they rediscovered the Word of God and read the Word of God, all the people fell under conviction. And because of that conviction, there was a mighty revival. Psalm sixty-six eighteen 18 said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Really, there's no way to soften the command to turn from our wicked ways. God only accepts one response to sin, and that's not rationalizing it. It's not excusing it. It's not comparing ourselves with somebody else. He demands that we turn from our wicked ways. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find mercy. I want you to remember this. Write this down. The depth of our repentance will determine the depth of our revival. So I've got to ask you, I'm just stopping right now, I'm talking to you as if it's just me and you. Have you been playing around with your sin? If so, you need to repent right now. Have you been withholding forgiveness from somebody? Then you need to stop acting as their judge and free them from ever having to pay you back. Do you have some dark secrets that you've been trying to hide from God and your loved ones? Today, you need to bring those sins out into the light. You need to seek God's forgiveness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped, Joshua 24, 14 says, and serve the Lord. You need to admit your sin today, and you need to abandon it. Now, I know some of you, you're sitting right there thinking, does he know who he's talking to? Yes, I do. You know what I've become convinced of? Every one of us in this room, I would say at least 90% of us, have some little pet sins that the devil has convinced us are okay for us. But they're not okay for you. Any kind of sin, no matter, what the degree of it is, is separating you from God. And that pet sin that you so love and you so pamper is destroying your life. And you will never have revival in your heart and know the joy of the Lord until you say bye-bye to that pet sin. Leonard Ravenhill once said, the world has lost its power to blush over its vice. And the church has lost her power to weep over it. I was challenged this week by a quote from Lori Frank. We can look at our culture the way Jonah looked at Nineveh or the way Jesus looked at Jerusalem. And church, I remind you, there is a world of difference between the two. Jonah hated the Ninevites. He could care less if God destroyed them or not. In fact, he wanted God to destroy them. On the other hand, when Jesus looked at Jerusalem, he wept. Lord, you have revived others in the past. I pray that you do it again. And I pray that you start with me and those in this room as we repent over our sins. Number three, we need to be revived on a regular basis. How do I know that? Well, because of this particular verse it says, revive us again. You see, the problem is that we can, we can and we do drift from God. Do you remember the time you were really close to the Lord? That it seemed like you walked hand in hand with God? Do you remember the time that you couldn't get yourself out of the Bible because you, you just loved to read it so much? That there was no way in the world you were ever going to miss church because you knew you were supposed to come and you enjoyed being here. But then what happened? Well, we just kind of grew cold and we drifted away. Can I tell you something? That can happen to anybody. It can happen to Christians. It can happen to churches. Jesus put it like this. We lose our first love. We we go through periods of drought. The, The world caves in on us. We have job problems and kid problems, neighbor problems, spouse problems, health problems. And everything becomes heavy. And instead of turning to the one who can save us from all of that, we drift away from him. When that happens, we need to be revived again. A lady once asked Billy Sunday, that great evangelist, why do you keep having revivals when it doesn't last? He smiled and asked her, well, why do you keep taking baths? Think about that, all right? <laughs> Vance Havner said, A revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. We need to fall in love with Jesus. We need to come back home. We need God to revive us again. Number four, revival and rejoicing are connected the word for rejoice means be joyful, to, to gloat in God. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? David knew unconfessed sin was sapping his joy. That's why he prayed these words in Psalm 51 verse 12. Return to me the joy of my salvation. H- have you ever considered that your sour spirit may be connected to unconfess sin in your life. It's hard to be happy when you're living an unholy life because guilt will gut our joy. And the shame that comes from sinning will rupture our rejoicing. We see this in Psalm 32 verse three when David chose not to confess his sins. What was the result of that? He said, for when I kept silent, when I didn't confess my sins, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day long. Church, repentance brings refreshment. How do I know that? Well, the Bible tells me so. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the, of the Lord." The ideal behind refreshing is relief and rest from difficult, distressful, or burdensome circumstances. One commentator put it precisely, no repentance, no refreshment. When God revives, we can't help but rejoice. And Lord, since you've done it for others, would you do it for us? Would you send revival so that we can rejoice in the name of the Lord? Number five, revival is for those who have been reborn. We see this in the phrase, your people. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? So revival is for the church. It's it's for those who have been reborn. There are 16 revivals recorded in the Word of God. Five of the seven churches listed in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are challenged to repent and return to the Lord. Why? Because they had drifted away from God. Their hearts had grown cold and God called them to save, the redeem, the church to repentance, to return for revival. One example is from Revelation chapter 3 verses 2 through 4. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I am going to come against you. God knows us. God knows you. And God knows that his people can lose their first love it happens it happens in relationships I don't know we were in a conversation the other day and and I said babe do you you realize how long we've been in love and she had to think about it for a second and she said well over 40 years that's how long we've been married and we've been in love you know the reason we stayed in love is because every day we tell each other I love you Every day we affirm it with with a kiss, with holding hands. We, We love one another and we nourish that relationship. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. If we don't nourish our relationship with God, we will lose our first love. He knows that we can get soft in our spirituality. He knows that we can disengage from what he deems important in our life. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, the prophet prays, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. Revive us. I like what the evangelist Billy Sunday once said. When is revival needed? Well, when carelessness and unconcern keep God's people asleep, A revival does two things, he said. First, it returns the church from her backsliding ways. And second, it causes the conversion of men and women. And it always includes the conviction of sin on the part of the church. Charles Finney said, A revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. Biblical revival comes to God's people who determine to follow God's plan so that they can receive God's promises. Once we are revived and awakened, the overflow is going to spill into other people's lives. And the result of that is we're going to see people saved. All year long, God has burdened my heart that we become soul winners, that we become bold in our witness. That's why we had those C Group lessons on soul winning. That's why I've been preaching the last six weeks from Acts on mission with God that we need to be witnessing and telling people about Jesus. But here's what I've realized since then. There is no way in the world you and I can be effective soul winners and witnesses of Jesus when there is sin in our life. When we are away from God, we're not a good witness for him. When we allow sin, even pet sin in our life, we are not good ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. You tell me, why would they want anything you got when you don't have anything different than what they have? You, You don't have the joy of the Lord in your life if you have sin in your heart. So we need to confess that sin. We need to be reborn and revived. And the outflow of that, the overflow of that is going to be a good witness for Jesus Christ. Sometimes we won't even have to say anything to anybody. They're going to be asking us, how do you have so much joy in your life? What's made the difference in your life? In my C group this past Tuesday, the last one, we, we took some testimonies. Because everybody who's saved has a testimony, don't they? And one of the old guys in my class that spoke up and, and read his testimony was my dad. Now when I was a boy growing up I just assumed that my dad had been a Christian and lived for the Lord since he was a kid. But you know that wasn't the case. My my dad was pretty wild when he was young. If you want to hear some really crazy stories, let my dad tell you about his young life. I mean, he ran from the police. He he did all kinds of crazy stuff, man. I mean, he was just he was a wild child. After him and mama got married, they went to the Free Will Baptist Church in Midland, Texas. Two of my aunts were going to church there, and they kind of put the guilt trip on Dad, so him and Mama went. E.E. E. Zellers preached that Sunday, and my dad fell under conviction. He whispered to my mom, I'm going to go down to the altar and get saved, and she followed him down there, and they both got saved. The next day, he was at work. Southwestern Bell Telephone, you were, I don't know... Were you splicing cable, climbing a pole? You were, you were hanging on something, weren't you? You and your partner. And he was, uh, he was an apprentice learning how to do this job. And, and the guy he worked with, he'd been working with for a while. And about halfway through the morning, he just stopped and said, Will, I got to ask you, what, what's happened to you? You're different. Something happened over the weekend in your life because you're changed. And you know what, Jason? He was changed. God had saved his soul, changed his life. He had an opportunity to witness to that man and and to all the others that he came in contact with. Why? Because God changed his life. God can change your life. And if you have just kind of flowed into a state of apathy and complacency and you're not on fire for the Lord like you once were, God can change that too. God, you've done it in the past. Would you do it again today? And I just want to pause right now and say this. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you've never believed in Jesus. You've never confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You've never believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You're not saved. You don't know about eternity. You don't know if you're going to go to heaven when you die or not. If that is your state today, I plead with you, before this service ends, give your heart to Jesus. Get saved. Receive his salvation. It's not hard. God didn't make it hard. It's as simple as ABC. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the only one who can save you. And C, confess him with your mouth, and you will be saved. Revive us again, number six, we must pray for revival. Notice this is a request in the form of a question. Will you not revive us again? Rick Joyner writes, every revival in history seems to be the result of a few people becoming so hungry for God that they wanted God more than they wanted oxygen. I'm about to lead us in a closing prayer, but before I do that, I want you to listen to these convicting words from Leonard Ravenhill. I think it's the third quote I've had from him. Man, he was a preaching machine, a revivalist, an evangelist. Listen to what he said. No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, but few prayers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. The only reason we don't have revival is because we are willing to live without revival. Hmm. Not so anymore. Lord, since you have revived others in the past, do it again. Amen. Now, today, hear and start with me. You see, revival must begin with me. Revival must begin with you. Psalm 85 verse 8 says, Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace to his people to his saints but let them not turn back to folly. Church I have found it's always easier to confess somebody else's sin than my own sin but revival begins with the person that you see in the mirror. (laughs) Gypsy Smith an English evangelist was once asked the secret for revival. He answered, well, go home, take a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself, then pray, oh Lord, revive everything inside this circle. And that's where we need to be today, church. God put this sermon on my heart two weeks ago. I know I needed to preach on revival. I I had anticipated Kind of a different response than I have gotten in both of these sermons I've preached today. It's kind of a somber attitude in here, isn't there? Well, maybe it was meant to be that way. Maybe we all need to do a little reflecting. No doubt we need revival, no doubt we want revival. But are we willing to pay the price for revival? You know what? It could be that you or you or you or me are the very reason God is not sending revival to this church, this city, this state. Because we are not willing to confess our sins and turn from our wicked ways. You might say, well, my my sins are not that bad. My, My pet sins are just little baby sins. Sin, sin, man. Quit hiding behind it. Quit believing the lie that the devil's given you. You know what you need to clean up in your life. You know, because let me tell you, God has has raked me over the coal this past week. There are things I've had to confess. Attitudes. Thoughts. Would you do that today? Would you just come to the altar and say, Lord, revive me, revive everything in this little circle of my life? He's dying to do that. Oh, he's already died to do it. He wants to do it. So, dear Jesus, I pray that right now you would do something powerful in each one of our lives. I pray, dear Lord, that you'd just speak to us as only you can, that your spirit would show us where we are and what we need to do. Lord, help us to know the truth of 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'm going to hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Lord, our land needs to be healed today, but so do our souls and our families, and this church. So dear Lord, help us to come and confess and to seek your face like never before. I praise you in advance for what you're about to do, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed and just step out when you stand up, because I think we all need to be down here today. We all need to come and pray.
0: Jesus, you
1: Will you not revive us again, Lord? Please forgive us of our sins. Take away the the cold out of our heart and set us on fire for you. I pray, dear Lord, that uh, we would be revived, that this church would be renewed, that we would become bold in our witness for Jesus and that others would see you living inside of us. Lord, for those praying at the altar and those there in their chairs who are struggling with real life issues, I pray, I pray victory for them in the name of Jesus. Lead us, guide us, and bless us. Help us to be the church you've called us to be. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Revive us again, Lord. I want to let you know that that I love you. (laughs) I love you. I love this church. And I want this church to be all that it can be for the glory of God. I want us to be bright shining lights for Jesus out in a dark, cruel world. We do that through his power and his spirit. So God, revive us again. When you walk out the doors, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. If you're a guest, please turn your Connect card into the Connect counter. We'd appreciate that. When you you came in, there was a piece of paper in your chair. It's all about We Worship. We're asking for volunteers to uh, help us in We Worship. That's taking care of our little ones during this uh, preaching hour. So read this page, pray about it, and come next week ready to sign up. Uh, you may want to sign up today. You can do that over in the We Worship area. Come back Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We have things going on for all age groups. In the adult service, Brother Devin Dundee is going to preach. I love to hear Brother Devin preach. If you've never heard him, you need to be here Wednesday. Uh, He does an excellent job. Our quilters have been at it. They've quilted a beautiful quilt. You can see it out in the lobby. They're raffling that quilt off. Tickets are $10. The proceeds are going to go to our next Puerto Rico trip. We had a group that was just in Puerto Rico, both husbands and wives. I think there was like nine who went. Uh, They did a tremendous job. If you were on that Puerto Rico trip, raise your hand. We got a couple right here, others in the room. Give them a big hand. They did a great job for Pastor Jose. So we've got this second trip planned for the beginning of 2024. They're gonna go down and minister to the kids in the, the school there, and thus the raffling for the quilt. And also, they're selling turkey tickets. For 50 bucks, you can buy the, the juiciest turkey you've ever sank your teeth into. And if you do that, you won't have to cook one for Thanksgiving, all right? Uh, our team is gonna be smoking turkeys on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Before Thanksgiving, for 50 bucks, you can buy a ticket and get one of those great turkeys and everything, all the proceeds, goes to our next trip to Puerto Rico. Uh, this Thursday, timers are going to meet at 1130, be here for that. Uh, Monday, the Naomi's friends are going to meet at 1 o'clock at Eunice's, and we have already started our giving to Adopt-A-Missionary Kid. Uh, we're taking uh, donations, and we're going to provide Christmas for our home missionary kids serving in the United States. Their parents are home missionaries. We're going to give them a great Christmas. And then also our kids in Puerto Rico. Uh, Our group is going to go there and minister to them. So give liberally. Mark your uh, giving envelope, A-A-M-K, Adopt-A-Missionary Kid. All right? Do love you. Hope you have a great day. Go Cowboys. Get out of here. (laughs)